This episode is dedicated to all the murdered and missing indigenous women and girls to date. It's also dedicated to the national inquiry into murdered and missing indigenous women and girls. The Native Women's Association of Canada and Amnesty International began a research project on stolen sisters in 2002 to try to put figures and faces to the many indigenous women and girls who were missing or had been murdered. Their research was the start of nearly two decades of studies and reports that uncovered first hundreds, then more than 1,200 names of indigenous women who were known to have been killed or who had simply disappeared. The final report said quantifying the full number is not possible. The commissioners concluded that the thousands of indigenous women and girls who were murdered or disappeared in Canada are part of a genocide against indigenous peoples. May all the missing girls rest in peace. This episode is also dedicated to Debbie K, Mark B, Jillian Tara L, and Vinnie G. Welcome to the Sober's Dope Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Sober's Dope Podcast with your host, Pop Buchanan. Today's episode is very important. This is our 50th episode, and I feel like um, I really did a good thing. And on this last three months with the 50 episodes of the Sober's Dope podcast, we helped a lot of people. The, uh, the support and the feedback has been phenomenal. I'm very lucky to be able to share my story with the so- sober and recovery community and to bring hope to anyone that may be still struggling with addiction. And I'm just really happy. This is an aspect of my life that's very positive. And it gives me great joy when I'm able to connect with you guys. And I think about you all, everyone that's struggling. I think about you all. I think about our bottom line, what we have to go through to survive, where we come from, our stories, our different struggles, you know, our fears, our hopes, our dreams. Um, rebuilding your life from ground zero is not easy. It's a definite, it's definitely an amazing feat to see people come from nothing and have to rebuild everything up. I like to, um, you know, compare us to the uh, metaphorical phoenix, you know, rising out the fl- flames and from the ashes. And that's like us in recovery. So if you're out there and you're struggling with addiction, I'm telling you, just within these 50 episodes, I'm a walking testimony. And I met hundreds of people that's just, they came from real dark places and they're doing great today. And I just want to thank every single person that listens. A lot of you guys out there are silent. A lot of you, we didn't get to speak yet. I want you all to know if you're listening to the podcast, and you're vibing with me, you can always hit me on Instagram or Facebook, or you can email me at monkhealing at gmail.com. 
I'm on Facebook as Joseph Pop Buchanan. I'm on Twitter as Pop Buchanan. On Instagram as Pop Buchanan. Or you can find me at Monk Healing. That's M-O-N-K-H-E-A-L-I-N-G. Or you could just Google Pop Buchanan or the Sober's Dope Podcast. And I'll come up. And just, you know, I'm not one of those people that's not approachable. Um, you can email me, reach out to me, talk to me if you're struggling, if you just want somebody to kick it with, if you just want to give me some feedback, if you want to let me know how to um, podcast help you, feel free. Um, I want to connect with everyone out there. If you're part of the Sober's Dope universe, then you're family, and we all treat our family very well. Um, a lot of the members of the Sober's Dope community they you know they know they could email me and kick it with me anytime they want let me know how they doing you know shout out to our main man billy wherever you at billy shout out to tana shout out to zachary d shout out to tiffany shout out to tara um shout out to everyone in the sober's dope community that's really uh you know making this thing work so today i want to talk about in our 50th episode i want to talk about You know, I want to present some more sober testimonies. I think it's no better to come, you know, to get to this 50th episode. Um, I want to bring humility to it because we already celebrated during this, um, these 50 episodes. We went from life to death to fear to relationships to God to transformation and miracles becoming superhuman finding radical honesty dealing with the accountability mirror um telling our stories we did some sobriety and hip-hop stuff oh man we broke down relapse we broke down the the stages of relapse um we broke down the stages of rock bottom the multi-different the different levels of rock bottom you know you could be a spiritual you could be at a spiritual rock bottom a physiological and physical rock bottom an emotional and a mental rock bottom a social rock bottom you know um and 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 that's really important that we could break these things down and we did a lot we talked about emotional sobriety the the importance of a sober mindset mindset we we differentiated again of um from a victim mindset to the victim mindset uh we encouraged forgiveness we talked about forgiving yourself first um we did motivation we have two or three motivational segments that we did we heard wisdom from T.D. Jakes, Eric Thomas, Les Brown, uh, um, Lisa Nichols. <clears throat> we covered some real great ground. Um, and we just did so much in these 40 episodes. We listened to great music. We got into some pop culture. I took you guys back to the early 80s and 90s. Some to the, you know, we listened to The Last Dragon. We did a lot. Um, and the Sober's Dope podcast was meant to be raw, straight up. You know, you're listening to a guy from New York who beat addiction and rebuilt his life and and did it through a creative miracle from God. And I feel like God saved my life. So I'm here just giving back to you guys. So I'm really excited. This is a good thing. Um, while speaking about the 50th episode, I also want to just say that, um, 
September's coming up and I turn 40 years old in September and um you know that's just crazy that you know we got we got to we, we, you know I feel like I'm closing a decade and you know lately I've been having issues with my back I've been having a lot of um <clears throat> emotional issues and I've been reflecting a lot and I don't know I've just been really by myself this this last August it's really been just reflecting and stepping back right sometimes you have to step back a little bit and I just really I just really reflected on my life and I just realized that I'm about to turn 40 years old and I'm closing the whole chapter on the 30s that whole thing everything that you hear about in the sober is dope podcast my sober is dope story to now episode one is the sober is dope story that was me going into rehab to now and then everything prior is just you know part of the story of how I got out of you know I you know I, you know, I did, you know, I blew through my 20s, um, a lot of great things happened in my 20s, you know, I graduated college, you know, I got my first building, I was doing real estate, I was successful, you know, um, I, I, you know, I met a beautiful girl, Uh, I just had a lot of good things that happened in the 20s, and in my mid to late 20s is when addiction really, really, really started to take its hold on me, Um, and I would say more to my late 20s going into my 30s is where it got rough, and in the beginning of my 30s, you know, between like 29 and 32 was the really the toughest point, because I think I was struggling with going from my 20s into my 30s. And then the gift of sobriety I gave myself early in my 30s, real early, like 32, 33, 32, 33 was when I really, and I, and I was, that I figured it out. I said, I can't do this no more. I didn't want to drag addiction into, from my 20s to my 30s. And then I went through this whole seven years. So then, so I'm turning 40 on the seventh year um, of my, um, you know, I will be approaching my seven year in December, but in September I'll turn 40 and it'll be, I'll be seven years. You know, I will be going into my seven years in December so I could count it. And it's just symbolic 40 years old, closing my 30, seven years sobriety So seven years ago, six and a half to seven years ago, I made a decision to choose myself and then I changed the trajectory of my life and everything is um, different now and everything is on a different elevated. I feel like I'm in a different vibrational space, a different spiritual space and a different human space. Like I really feel it like I have a lot of good things I'm working on and I found love and beauty in the simplicity all right it's just it's, it was the simplicity and i think um i just really want to point it out that don't give up on yourself because if i didn't choose me seven years ago six and a half years ago it would have been a different story you know and i was able to be there for my family i'm able to be there for myself my friends my girlfriend is good i mean she was she was with me in the early days i met her when i was still in my 20s because we're going on we're 10 years together you know and we both struggle with our addictions together and she's stuck in there with me I stuck in there with her and now she's like 
running her whole career and she has like she's blowing up in her company and she's doing what she's like really big in the production and film area and then the customer service area of this new exciting firm that deals with like sports streaming and it's everything that she always wanted so I watched her bring her law of attraction into a really good place and then that's what she wanted and then and so we worked together and then we got to this point so this this me turning 40 and just reflecting it just puts everything in perspective for me so i say all of that to say this if you don't give up on yourself you don't know what life has in store we all go through our stresses we all go through our pain points we all go through our anxiety and our fears, but somehow if you just hang in there, some days is going to be uh, just terrible. Some days you're going to fail. Some days it's going to be t- just a waste. It's going to feel like you're wasting time. You're not going to know why you're here. You're not going to be able to answer any real questions. You're going to be down. You're going to be depressed. You may be miserable. Everything around you may seem like it's falling apart, but I guarantee you, you gotta weather the storm and just stick in there because things do get better and cloudy skies do pass. So, on our 50th episode, I just want to say this episode is a very chill episode. You know, we're not gonna bring out the, the drums and the music and the horns. It's almost 2 o'clock in the morning. I have an MRI to take in the morning because I have some issues with my back, which is annoying. But, you know, I work hard. I gotta just slow down, I guess. So... The new theme in my 40s is going to be more like slow down and just really just focus on my passions and my creativity. Take a, you know, stop running so hard to build other people's dreams and start focusing on mine. I, I think if you're out there and, you know, you're a creative like me, you know, this is the year where we just go, we figure out what we want to do, what's exciting, and we have to apply it, we have to learn it, and we have to put it in motion. All right. I think a lot of people have really good ideas, but they don't want to do the research, the reading, the hours just to really groundbreak the idea, you know, to break some ground on it. You know, some things sound really good um, in your head and when you vocalize it. But then if faith without works is dead, if you don't act, if you don't move on something, if you don't really jump in and dive in, then you're not going to build any momentum. So what I'm starting to learn now is less talking, more creating. And as you all know, if we're creating, then we're closer to God because God is the creator. So follow those ABCs. Always be creating. Always be closing. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to read in our next segment. This is the intro. I just wanted to say what's up to you guys. I wanted to say thanks for hanging in there with me for the 50 episodes. And I'm going to read some testimonials. Some of the testimonials that are submitted um, to the Sober's Dope Project and podcast is um, more for like we're gonna do a book once we collect about a hundred to two hundred stories. We're gonna do a compendium of success stories and people's struggles and successes and victories and sobriety, and that's gonna be called the Sober's Dope Project. When I read the testimony to you, these are excerpts from the Sober is Dope submissions that I get from people in the recovery community that connects with me. So in our first um, <clears throat> in our first Sober's Dope episode, we heard from Billy, um, our main man, Billy. 
And, you know, that's one of my favorite guys. He's one of the, he writes me all the time. He always encourages me. Billy, if you're listening and you out there, I'm going to write you an email. I hope you well. I love you, man. Keep, I know you're doing your thing. Don't let anyone get to you and stay positive. You know, you inspire me all the time. So we, our first um, so, so Sober Testimonies was with Billy and, um, <clears throat> And and our second one had um, Tiffany and Zach and, and Zachary D in it, and then this episode is gonna have my um, some some new people, and we're gonna introduce the new guys, and then and then we're gonna read their success stories and their struggles and what they had to go through to overcome their addictions. When we come back, um, I'm gonna cut to a message from our sponsor, ladies and gentlemen, and we're gonna get into our next segment. Catch you on the other side. Welcome back to the Sober is Dope podcast, episode 50, with your excited host, Pop Buchanan. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so excited to do this episode three of um, Sober Testimonies. Um, I'm excited because one of the issues I had when I was younger, and especially tied to my addiction, I never really completed any too many things. I did a lot of great things, but I never really finished. One of the things I didn't finish was my music. I spent years of recording music. I had the group, me and my partner, Shay. We did all of this music. We was doing music. Then one day we just stopped. We just gave up. We don't know why. We just, we just gave up. I gave up, you know. And then I used to model. I stopped. One day I just stopped. One thing I did finish was college. I, was, um, I graduated with my associate's degree in business and my bachelor's degree in science. And, um business technology which is cool um so that's that's really good but you know the sober's dope podcast was something that i just woke up one day and said that i have to do i just really needed to get everything off my chest in the pursuit of sharing like i really wanted i felt you guys it was as if i felt that it was people out there that i had to connect with it was a communicated a community of people that spoke my language that went through the pain that I had to go through and um and the darkness that I saw and I knew you guys would be out there and I wanted to connect. I said I had to connect cuz I couldn't get to everyone as in groups the way I wanted to. I figured if I do a podcast, I'd get to as more people and we could connect and I could create a bigger network so we all could share stories and inspire each other. Because this is a long journey. I'm about to turn 40. We got another 20, 30, 40, 50 years to go. That's a long time and when I'm thinking about it. So every day I'm working on my addiction. Every day I'm working on my sobriety, you know? And getting the episode, 50 episodes and I mean... In three months, just about three months, is great because I also felt like in my 30s, I gave the world sober as dope. In my 30s, I shared my story. So, this is a legacy. So, if I turn 40 in September and say I'm not doing the podcast anymore, I may, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to continue to do the episodes. But what I'm saying is, this whole thing is still part of my 30s and I'm still 30. I'm talking to you guys today. Um, next month, I'll be 40, you know, um, come October 1st, I'll be 40 years old. So 
everything I, I will be able to say successfully, I cleared my 30s with my head up. Um, the majority of my 30s was devoted to sobriety and transformation. And then I could close that whole chapter and move on into a whole brand new chapter, you know, um, where from sobriety, from, from my addiction, uh, you know, my addiction is the metaphorical death. Sobriety was the metaphorical resurrection, and now I could go and live this beautiful new life, you know, eternally with my commitment to God to stay sober and and leave alcohol in the past because alcohol is my drug of choice. And that's the, the thing that kicked my butt. But I beat that battle when I kicked alcohol in the butt, if you know what I mean. So moving along is no longer about me. Our first person that I will be reading testimony is my guy by the name of Mark B. All right, Mark, if you're out there, um, uh, I found Mark on Facebook and um, he was sharing his testimony, man. And when I read his testimony, I just was like something about this guy's testimony stood out to me, man. Like, and I asked him, I said, you know, I had, I just wrote him and said, can I use this for my podcast? Because I wanted to share it with the Sobers Dope community. And I didn't hear back from Mark for a while. And the other day I was looking through my messages because, you know, I have a bunch of pages on Facebook, um, business pages, personal pages, Sobers Dope page. And, and I was looking and I saw in the message log that he gave me the green light. So I'm really excited. It's pretty long. So bear with us. But we want to thank you in advance, Mark, for being courageous. I want to thank you for your um, sobriety, your recovery and your willingness to share with us. So, ladies and gentlemen, with no further ado, here we go with Mark, Mark B's story. All right, so here goes nothing. I am 31 years old, and I am a survivor of mental, physical, and sexual abuse. I started using drugs at about 13. I was hit by a car and put on Oxycontin and Percocet. I instantly fell in love, and I was taken off of them two years later. And because I was so sick, someone I considered a friend introduced me to heroin three months later. I began using through IV. It wasn't long after that I ended up on the street because of the pain I caused my family. I lost everything many times. I ended up in prison for five years and met my ex-wife while I was in there. When I got out, I stayed clean for a little over a year and a half and um and when she was pregnant with my youngest son i ended up relapsing i lost my house my wife and my two boys i ended up homeless on the street and spent more than six years living this way i was living under bridges and in tents eating out of dumpsters doing anything and everything i could to get the next one including hurting everybody i love stealing from stores and people closest to me I sold my body to anybody who would pay and did things I am so ashamed of. I tried to commit suicide about two years ago 
and I lived to tell the tale. I jumped off a bridge that was about 60 feet and I broke every bone in my body. I spent over a year and a half learning to walk again. I found out shortly after that that I was HIV positive and I thought my life was over. I ended up relapsing again. I was back on the street in the middle of winter running amok. I was not only using heroin but also meth and alcohol. I am about 6'3 and I weighed 154 pounds three months ago. I checked into rehab and decided to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. I got out of rehab and after two months and a half I lived in a tent for the last 30 days by the grace of God. I made it. I moved into a sober house a few days ago and I am still clean. I go to meetings and I am working the 12 steps. I have a sponsor. I got my ID back and my birth certificate. I'm working on getting a license and I'm doing intense outpatient drug addiction therapy. I am also doing other therapy for my mental health. I still have a lot of things to work out, but my life has gotten so much better. It is incredible how giving up one thing could give me so many others. I will not say my life is perfect. I still have a long way to go, but I'm not ashamed of who I see in the mirror anymore. I am in the process of getting visitation of my two sons and going back to school. My family is starting to talk to me again, and I have an amazing girl in my life so far. Everybody out there who is struggling, please just know you are not alone. This is one of the hardest battles we will ever fight, but as long as we never give up, we will win. We are all miracles, we are warriors, and we will survive. I love you all, and God bless. Mark B. His sober testimony. Woo! Wow, man. Mark, 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 Mark. Brother, man, listen, man, I I feel you in a special way, Mark, and I'm explaining to you why I feel you, Mark, because you're still in the early stages, all right? These are the most magical stages, man, like you went through your two to three hard relapses, you had to, you, you lost everything over and over again. You had to deal with these extreme um, realities from the homelessness, the living under the bridges, the suicide, rehabilitating yourself back from a whole body full of broken bones. And I know 90% of the time you felt like it's over. You, you could have easily gave up. And it seemed like God had plans for you. You know, your story today is going to reach hundreds of thousands of people we're gonna this podcast gets to a lot of people and they're gonna hear this you you're you're the fact that you're alive today you help someone else the fact that you was courageous enough to share so many intimate details i mean you that's the good the bad and the ugly and a lot of people out there like to you know just ride the train of their sobriety without really communicating effectively the darkness of their addiction because it's easy to forget where you came from but for you 
this is all very new, this is all very, um, it's just right now, and I give you all the respect in the world, brother, that you chose your life, I'm glad you got your visitation with your son, well, I'm glad you're gonna get your visitation back with your sons, hopefully by now, you, you had a chance to see them, my, you know, be as authentic and real. I mean, these kids these days, they're very smart. All they really look for is for someone to keep it real with them, man. It's like, there's no way to spin it. There's always, you know, honor and love within the truth and the rawness. And you was raw today with us, brother. Um, I hope your relationship with your wife gets better. Um, I, I encourage you, Mark, to please don't give up, man. I don't, you know, you, you, you know, you survive for a reason. And although you're new in your addiction, stick with God, stick, stay in the groups, have solid people, use the podcast as a tool. The one of the reasons I did the Sober's Dope podcast is because I put a lot of things in there that's going to help you on your journey. It helps me. Now, you are part of the Sober's Dope tool belt because someone could go back and listen to Mark's story, listen to your story, and your wisdom and strength is going to help them. Your honesty becomes something that's indexed in the Sober's Dope tool belt today. And I want you to know we love you. I love you. You are eternally one of my brothers. You know, I'm 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 branding you a sober's dope night. And you are for real, man. Like seriously, you touch me. Cause I get it. I was there, man. I was at, I was at that point where I wanted to jump off the bridge. And see, I wasn't even courageous enough to do it. The fact that you actually jumped mean that you you felt like you couldn't even get back. You lost everything. You was in so much despair and darkness. You couldn't even find your way out. You just was like, yo, I'm, I'm out of here. Because you didn't want to hurt people no more. It, I, don't, I think it wasn't even about you, the fact that you were hurting. I think you just didn't want to hurt your wife no more. I think you was beating up yourself about the, your kids. I think you was beating yourself up about the HIV. I think you just was struggling so much, man. And you was hurting the addiction. You was on, you're on heavy stuff. This meth and all of this stuff is no joke, brother. I mean, it's a spiritual war that you're fighting and you won right now. Right now, you're winning. You're winning because the day you decide to change your mind, none of that shit from your past matters. None of those demons have any power anymore. All right. See, once you realize you were powerless over your addiction, that's when you allow God to step into your life. The moment God stepped back into your life, meaning that God never left. God doesn't leave us, but he definitely gets out of our way. If we're going to run around and act crazy and be he's just going to protect us. Like when you jumped off the bridge and survive, that was God saying, I'm not here and I'm going to give you, you know, I'm protecting you. But when you realize you're powerless and you're ready for change, then God steps in and can proactively work with us. And that's when the miracles start to happen. And you're a walking miracle today. You know what I'm saying? You're a walking miracle today. And I'm telling you, no matter what, you are a miracle, brother. You know, just stay. Don't don't worry. Forgive yourself from the sins of your past. And let's just move into the future together with grace. Um, I love what you said at the end for everyone else out there. Um, and for all of us, it's like it's really important. Um, you know, 
so far everybody everybody out there who is struggling please just know you are not alone this is one of the hardest battles we will ever fight but as long as we never give up we will win we are all miracles we are warriors we will survive i love you all god bless couldn't say it couldn't have said it better myself brother i needed this this is a birthday an early birthday gift to me okay because this story here is serious you went through some serious shit and you came out the victor so god bless you mark you're listening to the Sober's Dope Podcast with your host, Pop Buchanan. And we have a, a really special guest today by the name of Mark B., who submitted his testimony. And Mark, we commend you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to cut to a short break and then we're going to come back with one more testimony in our episode 50 of the Sober's Dope Podcast. Catch you on the other side. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Soap is Dope podcast, episode 50, Sober Testimonies, part three. We are very excited today to bring great testimonies from different people in the Sober is Dope community and in the Sober community as a whole. Our next participant is Jillian Tara L. Um, Jillian, we thank you in advance for your submission. We are very excited to tell your story, and here we go, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jillian Tara L., and this is my story. I am an indigenous woman and a single mother of two beautiful children. I was born in Regina, Saskatchewan. My experience with substance abuse started at a very young age. I was around 10 when I first started smoking. 13 when I started using marijuana, cocaine, and ecstasy. Ever since then, it has been one of my biggest obstacles in life. Growing up, I lived in a home where drinking alcohol was normalized. I never knew my father, but my stepdad worked at a brewery, so there was always alcohol in my home. I was exposed to domestic violence by my mother and her own alcohol addiction, along with her unhealthy relationships, which also exposed me to a lot of trauma, which I am currently healing from to this day. I was so uncomfortable at home, I became a runaway, which got me into more trouble, more substance abuse at such a young age. Anything to escape my anxiety and fear of everything going on at home. In the end, I became too much of a burden to my mother and when I got my first youth charge for joyriding, my mom decided to kick me out. By then, I was already stealing from my home to get drunk or high. My mom didn't want me there, so I moved to Saskatoon. Prior to that, she had me shipped off to my reserve with one of my aunties. I ended up in a psych ward because they read my diary once and that was just the beginning of my experience, institutionalized at the age of 12. My addiction was also so bad, I feel like my family thought I was hopeless. 
all of their efforts to help me went without appreciation to this day. I have a lot of guilt and shame for the things I have caused my family. The stealing and the lying has made it difficult for anybody to trust me to this day. My life in Saskatoon changed drastically. I became gang affiliated at 15 and became common law to my boyfriend at the time who was 18 and the president of a small street gang. I was in and out of jail for stealing cars, constantly in trouble for stealing. Even though I was young, I managed to dodge the child welfare system by having small jobs pumping gas, being a waitress and attending school regularly. By showing a system, I was self-sufficient and able to take care of myself, even though I was staying at shelters and sometimes on the street. It was hard being a young girl on the street, so I started to dress like a boy. I guess I was a functioning addict from a very young age. I started selling drugs at school and making money as a means to live and take care of myself. I graduated in 2010 and my family couldn't believe it. I had been kicked out and suspended from every high school I went to since I was in grade 7, especially with the lifestyle I was living. I didn't have much contact with my family after I moved, but my relationship at the time was getting bad, so I finally moved out and back home to Regina where I was 19. I was using every day in Saskatoon, shrooms, ecstasy, marijuana, drinking heavy, 60 ounce every day with my gang. So moving back home was more slow paced. I became a very violent person being in a gang and being exposed to violence and such. So moving home was a shock to my family. I was unable to control myself when I would drink. I was victim to many beatings and attacks from people on the streets. I'm not even sure how I'm still alive. My mom becoming frustrated with my addiction ended up kicking me out again. So I was back on the street, started selling drugs again, and then I was charged with firearm charges and home invasion, which took me to my first time at the Pine Grove Correctional Facility for Women. I served 60 months for DUI, old youth drug trafficking charges, and took my home invasion case to trial where I was acquitted of my firearm and home invasion charges. That was my first time in jail for Christmas. Ever since then, I swore I was never going to go back to jail, and I never did. Once I got out of jail, my drug selling and gang lifestyle continued. Then I became pregnant. That's when my journey to sobriety started. The year 2012, my son was born, and at the time, I didn't know how I was going to be a parent. I could never see myself as a parent being who I was at the time. But once my son was born into this world, I realized how much I loved to be a mother, how proud I was to be a mother, to be blessed with such an important role of caring of such a precious gift. It was a struggle financially, and I had some amazing support from my older sister. She always stepped up to help me in my tough times, and I will forever be in her debt. She let me move in with her and encouraged me to go to university. To my surprise, I was accepted to go for my Bachelor's of Arts due to all the awards I received in high school for my art, hanging and touring the country. 
I ended up switching my degree to social work and was receiving 80s on my papers and even had my professor my professors want to publish my academic papers which were all which were all based on my life experiences within the justice system and being indigenous I managed to get my own place and started living life with stability, getting involved with cultural things at school, learning about my traditional roles and my roots really gave me a sense of who I was and a purpose. I was attending um, sweat ceremonies. I started beating and making regalia so my son could dance at the powwow, something I was I always wish I could have done when I was a kid, but never had a chance to. My depression and anxiety started becoming more and more after the first year of university. I became pregnant with my second child in 2014, and she was born in January 2015. By then, I was overwhelmed, and my responsibilities and mental health, I ended up in a relationship that was founded on the use of drugs and alcohol. The father of my children was in a maximum penitentiary and didn't even have much involvement with my kids. So for me, having a man at home with me and my kids, even though it was unhealthy, made me feel like I was living the dream two-parent family in 2016. Slowly, I started to lose everything. I stopped going to ceremony and praying. I beat it and doing all things I love. I began to use heavily on weekends. I was behind on rent. Bills stopped. Bills and I stopped going to school. Completely obsessed with my relationship and the need to be loved and wanted to the point where I took everything, lost my car, lost my house, everything I worked for. I ended up moving back to Saskatoon saying I was fleeing domestic violence. That's how bad it got. I started using again and drinking and my relationship got so bad my kids were exposed to domestic violence. It's very hard for me to talk about because I always said it was going to be the one to break those cycles of intergenerational trauma in my family. And I exposed them to so much fighting in the home because my addiction and own unhealthy relationship eventually I lost my kids too well I didn't lose them and it hurts me to say this because I could have fought right then and there to change everything in my own power by uh, but I abandoned them with my sister and left and I was filled with so much agony and shame for my behavior that I drowned myself back again in the gang lifestyle, selling drugs and getting into some pretty heavy shit. I started using meth with the dangers of fentanyl being cut in the coke. It was a cheaper remedy. I was also using GHB on a regular basis. May 2018, I watched two people overdose in front of me. I called the ambulance and managed to save their lives. They wanted to get me high, but the one time I said no, it was like me, but I had a feeling, and it turns out they had bad dope. After that, I knew I wanted to get clean, but stay in active addiction until July. My sister helped me put help put me in detox but then I was going into drug-induced psychosis weighing about 90 pounds thinking people were out to get me the drones were following me gang unit followed me I was on a do not detain I could swear the cops was using me as a pawn to get to other people it was a living hell people wanted me dead I lived in heavy fear of being killed or taken with the frequency uh, and normalized way of human trafficking in that city I was afraid of being another missing and murdered 
murdered indigenous woman. October 4th, 2019 is my sober day. My sister picked me up one day after I detoxed on my own at her acreage. It was hell. From using every day to cold turkey, I refuse subs. I use weed to help me get my sleep right and eating right. But then I had already submitted in July my application for treatment centers all over Saskatchewan, some in BC and Alberta. Finally, in December, I was contacted and able to go to treatment in North Saskatchewan in Laloche. I went to treatment and began my inner work. It helped me to be so far away from home, but it was also hard being away from my kids. I got back into ceremony at the sweat lodge and started my healing process, crying and almost giving up so many times. The hardest part about recovery is looking within and becoming responsible for your actions, turning your traumas into strengths and coming out a survivor. When I got out of treatment, I continued to bead and remain grounded amidst the active addictions of people around me. My biggest accomplishment right now is that I finally have my children in my care. A full year they were in the care of my sister and the Ministry of Social Services. I am currently in a provincially funded family treatment home where I have been reunited with my children. During the time I have been here, I was honored to attend Ottawa for the closing of the national inquiry into missing and murdered indigenous women where I had the opportunity to read a call to justice on national television. Since then, I have been more focused in getting an assessment into my mental health done on antidepressants and anxiety medication. Just trying to work through my goals, I have set with CFS to transition into living on my own again with my children. My supervision order expires ends in September 2019. I am coming to so close. My goals are to return back to university and complete my bachelor's in indigenous social work so that I can help women like myself, mothers who have the same problems problems in their life if you have any other questions i will be happy to answer i also attach some photos jillian tara l wow that's so powerful tara that's so powerful i mean ladies and gentlemen there you have it you you you, we just walked through someone's entire life and um from beginning to end, you know, around, you know, being 10 years old and smoking and doing marijuana and cocaine and ecstasy at 13 to being in gangs and, um, and, you know, just, this is really tough, ladies and gentlemen. We have, you know, you know, first thing I want to say, Tara, is congratulations. Um, you know, when I first read your story, I felt so connected. It was so many points where I felt like I wish I could be there. I wish I could have intervened and somehow. And it was like all of these points where it felt like there was no coming back. And somehow you kept coming back. You kept fighting. And you know what? Through through every part of the story, I just always felt like it was an innocent little girl who just loved beating and dancing and loved the ritual and culture and of her people and 
you know, it, it hit me. It, it hit me when you said that you were so happy that you was able to, uh, you know, get your son and um, to dance at the powwow, and how when you was a kid you always wanted that, but you couldn't quite get there. And you know, being exposed to alcoholism at a very young age, and then um, living this fear, and the fact that you were also living in fear of being kidnapped and abducted. So, for ladies and gentlemen, a background into this young lady's story: she's an indigenous woman, and um, there's a real national crisis where indigenous women are being missing, they're being abducted, and they're being stolen. And there's no media coverage, there's no one talking about it, it's totally an insulated issue where the you know the indigenous people are fighting and this is what she was talking about when she read um on national television um in Ottawa. Um and um, you know, for the uh, the ministry of um for the closing of the national inquiry into missing and murdered indigenous women. So the fact that you was dealing with that fear and then you had the paranoia and then you felt like on top of that, you know, you lost all your family's trust and then you broke it. You know, the one way we could pay them back, um, Tara, is by by just being true to ourselves because I did the same thing. I did, you know, my, it was hurtful to my family to see me in my addiction it was hurtful, you know, at points where it was, when it really got bad, it was bad. And that's for all of us. If you're an addict and we have many moments where we're embarrassed and we're hurt and we know we hurt someone and we, you know, we, we kind of, we want to get better, but we feel like it's almost impossible. And, um, and even when we get better, we have to jump through hoops to gain back people's trust and to get back into society and to feel like a normal person in the in society, um, but how you get through that is you you be real with yourself and you constantly work on yourself and you stay sober for yourself because it's gonna be days where we're gonna be lonely. It's gonna be days where we're gonna be sad. It's, we're gonna have to go through all of the emotions like normal people, but we can't use and. Um, I'm really proud of you. I'm glad you got your kids back. Um, I know a, a good update is I know you was looking um, forward to getting your own place. And you may have wrote this prior, but I did notice online that you finally got your place. So congratulations. So, ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank um, Jillian Tara L for her testimony. As you can see, we have people going from the um, childhood trauma to childhood addiction, to teenage trauma, to addiction, and to young adult, and to grow into a full woman in their sobriety. You know, be, people are conquering jail, they're conquering the system, they're conquering their demons, they're conquering their addictions. So if she could do it, you could do it. It's no excuse, all right? You know, so let. So we're going to add Jillian Tara L's story to our Sober's Dope 2 belt. So whenever you feel like you can't defy the odds, just go back to her story and you'll find your courage there. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll catch you on the other side. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back 
to the Sober's Dope Podcast, episode 50, and this is Sober Testimonies, part 3. This is our third installment of testimonies from people within the sober community. And I want to thank everyone out there for being courageous enough to share uh, and helping me. I've been trying to launch a campaign where um, I encourage people to send in their sober stories. If you're out there and you are in recovery, please email me your sober date, your drug of choice, and a small, a short, or long story, no matter how long or detailed, it doesn't matter. Um, you could keep it brief. Um, you could tell us how your sobriety, um, how you came about your sobriety. Tell us about your addiction. Let us know what you're thankful for. And just, um, you know, give us some insight to your process and experience because that helps other people. And I want to document these um, our amazing stories and ventures and you know, because, you know, it's a community and we all help each other. And I'm thinking about the next generation. We're dealing with a drug and alcohol crisis, especially this drug crisis to anyone that's struggling with the fentanyl, the heroin, the meth. They're now talking about creating fentanyl laced marijuana, which is should be this should that should be treated like a weapon of mass destruction. So we're dealing with these people and these what are these systems and these whatever I don't know who makes these drugs and why and I know it's profitable, but you're dealing with a machine that's bigger than us, and you know. Many of us have to deal with the mercy of God and life and hopefully the universe has our back and we can make it through. But there, there's many who do not survive, who, you know, that don't make it to the other side. Every day someone's dying or overdosing from this war on drugs. So the more we share, the more we're going to be able to make a difference. Um, you know, we're all, we all have to pay it forward and give back. So moving along, our next participant in the sober um success segment is debbie cbk but i would just say debbie k how are you debbie thank you so much um you are definitely an inspirational human being and i appreciate everything that you do um um for the recovery community so ladies and gentlemen this is debbie's um, story since i've been clean i have everything a person can need and because i've been sober for a long time and i have everything i lost to addiction back relationships took the longest but my kids are way grown and both never did drugs and they are both productive citizens i'm in a beautiful union with my husband of 16 years the longest ever and he will be my last he has loved me like no one ever could life is never perfect but i feel pretty close to heaven when i look at my life now It was hard to do detox from methadone and heroin, but I did it 30 years ago and I have not used today, so it's a beautiful and blessed day. I am more than grateful for the second chance I got. If you're in active addiction, you do not have to be there. 
If I could do it, so can you. I lost my little brother to addiction combined with pneumonia 14 years ago at 42. My father two years later and two years later my sister who was sober two years when she died to breast cancer. Time is very short so please fight for your life and reach out and get your life back. You're the only one who can take that first step. But once you cross over, there's an army in heaven and one down here fighting for you. Wow, Debbie, thank you so much. That's so beautiful. Now, Debbie is a champion in recovery, a champion in her sobriety. Debbie kicked methadone and heroin 30 years ago, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so Debbie, wherever you are, props goes out to you. So much love and respect, darling. You are amazing, all right? Um, I can hear your wisdom. I can hear the love. I felt it when I, when, I was, when I was reading this. I felt the wisdom. I felt the love. I felt the experience. You know, I felt like, you know, you're like our spiritual mother in um, a recovery. And I could feel the grace inside of you. And that grace is something that sobriety gives us back. It gives us a sense of grace. It gives us a sense of peace. And it gives us a sense of purpose. So that's so beautiful. Um, Thank you so much. And may God bless the spirit of your brother, your father, and your sister who died of breast cancer. May God bless them. May they rest in peace. And thank you for sharing those intimate details. And I urge everyone in the sober community and everyone that's listening to pray for Debbie's family. And Debbie, we thank you. This is the encouragement that we need, ladies and gentlemen. You have someone like um, you have someone like me who's going on seven years, and then you have Debbie who's going on thirty-one years. You know, and then. You have our guy Mark who's going on his year and he's new. So you got the newbie. You have someone like me who's on the low end of um, the intermediate. And then you have a champion like Debbie. So you can see the different spectrums um, in our recovery and how we all have, you know, similar stories where it was a point in time where things were dark. There was a point in time when we was in despair, when we was in trouble and we was down on our luck and somehow God gave us a creative miracle. God gave us a reason to live. We had some form of vital spiritual experience and we were able to get to the next level and to really live our lives. So uh, we want to thank Debbie for that beautiful and beautiful, beautiful, beautiful testimony. Moving along, we have our next partici- participant. His name is Vinny G. Vinny, if you're out there, um, thank you for your submission. I remember when I saw your testimony online, I also asked you um, if I could use this, and you said certainly, and I appreciate it. So here you go, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, Vinny G. Hi, my name's Vinny, and I am a recovering addict. 
I wanted to take a minute to tell my story so I can help someone else or have someone seek treatment. I started drinking when I was eight years old. In high school, it got to the point where I would have to drink even to wake up and function. In eighth grade, I discovered pot and pills. By my senior year, shit hit the fan and it all started going down from there. It got to the point where I needed to be higher drunk 24-7 just to function. In 2011 is when I got into heroin and fentanyl. I had back surgery and the fent wasn't enough after a while, so I started smoking my patches and snorting heroin to mask my pain. I also gained some mental illness from smoking the fent, which I suffer to this day. Well, in 2015, I started to seek help. Rehab after rehab, things just weren't good. In February 2019, I went to Loyola for the first time. They tried to help me, but I left to go back to the same environment. March 15, 2015 is when I went back to Loyola and then CARS. Both treatments, both treatment centers saved my life, and now I'm four months clean as of August 15th. Thank you for letting me share my experience, strength, and hope to stay sober. Vinny G, I mean, you know, I, I'm sorry you had to go through so much. I feel like drinking at eight years old, I feel like you was totally robbed uh, of your uh, of the chance of just enjoying your childhood, um, that's, you know, eight years old is way too young, buddy, and I'm, I'm sorry, because someone failed you, and, um, I, I'm just happy that you survived, I'm sorry that you have some permanent, um, or residual illness due to the fentanyl, I definitely understand the dangers and the strength and toxicity of fentanyl, so please, any way I can help, any way any of us in the community can help, definitely seek treatment. Um, definitely get a um, brain scan. Make sure your brain is healthy and see what you could do. Hopefully, they could get you in the right help, right medication, right food, right diet. Um, but as long as you have your sobriety, you're on the right track, buddy. So I- I'm definitely praying for you. I want to see you. You're in four months, so you're pretty early. So, Vinny G, this is a very sacred time for you. This is a very sensitive time. So, for the, all the newbies out there like Vinny, I want you guys to know it's, it has to be all about you, all about God, all about your recovery. The first two to three years, you really have to focus on you. You know, how to get your, you, have, you have to treat yourself really well. You have to try to eat, make sure you stay hydrated. The fundamental basics sometimes will help us stay sober. Like, you have to remember if you get thirsty or hungry, your brain could get, you know, you could get frantic. So my what would help me, I used to always try to stay hydrated. Have water, have coffee, have my tea, have something. I'm always drinking something. I'm always eating something. You know, make sure you guys are taking the vitamins um, try to seek a therapist, make sure you're talking to someone, make sure you have a, a family unit, I don't care if it's one person in your family, someone you could trust 
to talk to, whether it's a family or a close friend that you would confide in for when things get a little rough and you get stressed. Um, um, absolutely, at the top of my list, stay in the meetings. That's that's AA for you. I mean, NA for you. And I'm not sure if you, you know, AA, NA to where it applies. Stay in the meetings. The first year or two, I stayed in meetings religiously. You know, um, definitely important. Find a sponsor. Be very honest with your sponsor. Listen to your sponsor. Okay. In addition to having a sponsor, try to have some activities in the church. Um, try to build a social so a social footing where you have a support system and just know you're not alone i'm here everyone's here for you vincent everyone's here for you mark debbie we're here for you debbie's here for us debbie's an elder so her story gives us hope debbie beat methadone and heroin 30 years ago so you could get past your four months so stay strong definitely keep going and i thank you for being courageous enough to write this um, you know, um, and this is, um, this is just amazing. And I, I really thank you. And I want you to really stay focused. Um, all right. So moving along, ladies and gentlemen, in our episode 50 of the Sober is Dope podcast, I just want to close this podcast out by saying to you guys, look, dreams can come true, man. Like, I do remember from an addict perspective, when it was really bad, I knew that there was a million to one chance I could get it right and get sober, or I could just continue down the dark road I was going and die. I felt like my my death was definitely around the corner and I had this one shot. Sometime you get that one chance where everything lines up and you could go all the way. And that's when you have to be honest with yourself and true to yourself, right? And when I think back to that time, I'm so I feel lucky and I thank my younger self that I I took I made the right choice and I chose me. At that moment, I realized whatever I was afraid of, whoever hurt me in my life, whatever happened to get me to this point, it could it wasn't enough to kill me because those people wasn't around when when I was home almost homeless and I was out there and I was sick. There was no one there. Everyone was doing their thing. I was just by myself and that's when I knew it's not about everyone else. It has to be about you. You have to love yourself enough to take that leap of faith and choose life and choose yourself. And I'm just proud when I was younger, I chose myself because I'm a, I'm better today. I'm healthy. I'm alive. And I have a foundation to build on. So I get to close out my 30s and I get to reflect um, all of these good experiences and these stories about my sobriety and the people that I love are still here. Everybody I love is still doing well. And, you know, my friends, my girlfriend, you know, my mom, my mom, my, my mother is healthy. And, you know, as you guys know, she she struggled with her health and we had a health scare and God got us through that. And it's just been one miracle after another. And I'm thankful today. And it's all about love and 
gratitude. So when I get stressed, I try to remember, you know, what I'm happy about, what I have to be thankful for, you know, that's um, really important. So I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for my life. You know, we're going into a whole new chapter. I don't know what the four, my 40s is going to look like, what it's going to sound like. But you know what? I'm definitely going to be sober. So here's to sober 40s, sober 50s, and sober 60s. And, you know, we have our sobriety and we got to add some millions of dollars on top of that because we all deserve abundance. And, you know, so hopefully in the 40s, everything comes together and I'm going to still stay on top of my creative process. So, ladies and gentlemen, I love you guys. I'm going to keep this episode very short. I want to thank Mark. You are the man. I want to thank Vinny. And I want to thank Debbie for their submissions to the Sober is Dope podcast. And their submissions to the Sober is Dope project. If you're out there, send all sober stories at sober success stories to monkhealing at gmail.com or you could just messenger me your stories on Facebook at Monk Healing or Joseph Pop Buchanan. Ladies and gentlemen, I love you all. God is good and no matter what, remember sober is dope. Catch you on the other side.